0: Welcome to Ask of Expert, brought to you by the team at Vexit.com. Our bi-weekly series is the podcast helping business owners, managers, and professionals thrive in the world of modern work. Here's this week's host, Polly Craig.
1: Well, hello, and thank you for being with us today. This is going to be an episode for seasoned entrepreneurs, as well as new ones, because we're talking money. And while some people love talking about this subject, some people really hate it. One thing is for sure, though, that we rely on it for everything from our basic needs to our biggest ventures. When you start as an entrepreneur, it usually starts with a dream. Maybe you want to open an art gallery, a restaurant, you have a product or that million dollar idea. You write your business plan and before you know it, you're open for business. After a few weeks and months of operating, you may realize that keeping track of your finances takes time and focus, which as an entrepreneur really does take us away from what we love to do, which is getting this business off the ground. For those of us who aren't numbers people, it can get very daunting very quickly. Today's guest joins us from Laser Grant LLP, a renowned firm that provides accounting, audit, tax assistance, and business development services. Paul Van Wellingham is an accountant with their team, and he joins us on the podcast today as we dive into accounting for a new business. It's great to have you with us, Paul. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: You know, in earlier episodes on this podcast, we've talked about the legal side of setting up a business and what you need to know and how do you incorporate and all those types of things. But today we get to talk about the money side of things. So maybe we just start at the beginning, you know, like I alluded to, we're we're set up and we're operating, but at what point do we actually reach out to an accountant and get them to help us with setting up our finances?
2: I think getting an accountant in as soon as you can, it always helps having someone to ask a lot of your basic questions to. It's hard to give advice for some things cuz they're very industry specific or very whatever the individual kind of goals are for that business if it's going to be something they're going to grow to millions of dollars of revenue, or just a nice side project to maybe help out with paying some extra bills throughout different parts of the year. A lot of what I like to say is when you're starting out, there's a lot of different consulting services out there that you can just pick up the phone, give them a call, and they might give you a free hour of just consulting or helping them out to see if your business has what it needs to get started.
1: So one of the first things, you know, we've talk. We we've set up, we've got our corporation set up. Is one of the first things you go in and um, set up your CRA uh, information?
2: That's always a good one. Um, there's different ways. So once you have your business number and you're kind of getting a role, um, one of the first considerations is, do I need to charge GSD on something? Do I need to figure out what my provincial tax rules are and is it going to be something that's exempt or not? a good guideline for GST is you don't need to register until you hit $30,000 of sales, which is in four consecutive quarters. So at that point you are required to uh, register. However, which may be beneficial for certain businesses is you can register early so you can claim the input tax credits and get that GST money that you're spending back. One of my clients who does building construction Always ensures that he's registered on day one. So when he's spending money to get building materials, contractors in, he's able to claim the GST and get that back. Versus maybe a re- retail business, who's another one of my clients, we're kind of holding off until they reach that $30,000 level because they're not really spending a lot of money up front. They're trying to match their purchases with their sales. So there's not a lot of benefit at this point.
1: Well, that's really good information. But Bottom line there is make sure that you're tracking it regardless. I'm assuming.
2: Yes, make sure you're tracking it. Make sure you know what your sales are. And um, a good reminder is once you do register, this GST money that you're collecting on your sales isn't really your money. You're holding it in trust for CRA. So you're going to have to pay it back to them. So don't go out and spending it on all these things and then you have an unexpected tax bill.
1: Well, that's a really good point. And what about? using tools to keep track of it. So at the very beginning, is it best to use just an Excel spreadsheet as an example, or are there tools uh, such as uh, accounting software that you would recommend or that have have been used by others to start off right off the bat?
2: Yeah, part of it is how organized are you? Are you gonna be able to have that Excel spreadsheet where you can track your costs in different columns, or do you need something that does that for you? One of the big ones that we see at our firm is clients using QuickBooks. Um, there's other ones like Sage or Simply, Zero. There seems to be a ton of them out there online right now. So being able to have that aid for you where it kind of takes care of you know, putting things in categories or helping you just stay organized so you can see what you're, how you're progressing throughout your business on a monthly basis. Um, really brings out, you know, should I make this decision or that decision? Are my numbers that I'm entering in what I feel like I'm doing in my head? Because sometimes if you don't enter the, that stuff, then you don't really know where you're at, right? You're kind of walking around without that roadmap.
1: And then you've got the tool, the QuickBooks is a good example, because Within certain tools, you have other things that you can add on as you go. For example, you could give your accountant access. Is that correct? So that, you know, if you're not a finance person and you're just out beating the pavement and you're trying to get this business up and running, trying to do the right things from keeping track of, of all this information and learn and understand, to be able to give an accountant access uh, to everything right up front might might be a good thing to do?
2: Yeah, for sure. QuickBooks and some of the other ones have online abilities. So we can see your data in real time. So if you have a question or you're stuck on something, you can easily kind of go in see what the problem is, maybe help fix your QuickBooks or whatever software you're using. It really allows us to get a good feel for your business. Um, one of the things I like doing for my clients is getting those quarterly statements for them so I can see what their progress is, really learn what their business is about and how I can best help them and grow and support them in their success.
1: As a business owner myself, it often tends to be a reactive relationship with your accountant or, or finance uh, partner. So I love the thought, especially in a small business where you have somebody who's taking an interest, you might see something in the transactions that are taking place, uh, such as well, I see that you're you know, building software or whatever. Are you aware that there are shred credits or input tax credits and all these other things? So what about the relationship? Is it best to have a rhythm like... Just walk us through, you know, the ideal relationship with a small business as far as how often you meet uh, with them.
2: For me, I like doing it quarterly, maybe monthly, depending on how new the business is and how much outside help they need. I don't like being that once a year expense, like some accounting firms. You only see their clients once a year; they give them their financial statements, and then that's it. I like getting into Get the site visit of their establishment, really understand how their process works, how their whatever it is, if it's manufacturing, look at that new machine they bought this year and how does it work and how does this help them increase their margins so now they have better abilities to take on larger contracts. So that's really my go to. For some, it may be more beneficial to have a bookkeeper who can go in weekly and Make sure everything stays up to date where that bookkeeper cost is probably lower than what your high-end accountant is going to be. So that might be more beneficial starting out to having that person you can ask some of the additional questions to and really fill out your team.
1: And how important is it having monthly financial statements when you're first starting out?
2: I think it makes a big difference because now you're out there, you're hustling, you're trying to get new business and you can really see That translating into dollars, if it's making better top line sales, but not adding something to the bottom line and your income overall, maybe you have to revisit your pricing structure or maybe you're spending too much on advertising and it's not translating into sales dollars. So being able to see monthly, okay, I know I did this extra thing advertising on Facebook or Instagram. Did that help bring in more sales or did I just waste a couple hundred dollars on this where I could have better spent it on advertising in the newspaper or something different.
1: And what about things such as giving advice to your clients on, you know, do you lease a vehicle versus purchase? Uh, Do you get involved in those types of things?
2: Yeah, we definitely help out clients with the lease buy option for many different pieces of equipment that they need. It's always an interesting situation and very individual you need something and you have the free money to spend on it. Maybe it's better to go with that buy route A lot of the trucking companies that I work with end up just leasing a lot of their vehicles because they only really want them for three years and then they're going to upgrade them. So that consistent turnover doesn't really help with some of the purchasing where some of the manufacturing companies like buying some of their equipment because they can run it for longer, but there's always that risk of, upkeeping, repair and maintenance, and there's other costs and considerations that come into just both options.
1: And is there different types of treatment uh, depending on the type of vehicle that you're you're acquiring or leasing?
2: There is. So the, there's a different tax treatment for buying something and leasing something. It gets a little bit technical, so I won't bore everyone with the details, but the end benefit works out pretty close to the same. Um, if you're buying just a nice vehicle for yourself that from the business, maybe it's not as beneficial to put it in the company. Maybe you want to take it personally, but, um, yeah, that lease buy decision is always interesting for each individual person and what type of, you know, terms you can kind of get when you're doing that lease.
1: And what has your experience been with your clients being the ones that you work with that are small and medium sized businesses, as far as uh, government reporting, you know, if, if somebody's going to get audited, that's another reason to have everything up to date, but do you get involved in that as well?
2: Yeah. So we have a great tax team here that they kind of specialize in some of those CRA audits, whether it be GST that we're going through one now, whether it be some other tax we've seen items for, putting it in different CCA classes, capital asset account. We've seen GST, PST, kind of all over the place. So we definitely get involved with that. And yeah, having that information up to date and being organized so we can go back because a lot of these audits end up taking place in 2018 or 2000, so multiple years ago. So being able to go back and pull invoices and receipts for, two years ago may be difficult if you don't have everything kind of organized and in one spot.
1: Can you just shed a little bit of light on, so you've got this business, you're rolling and now you're employing people. Every province has different regulations and your firm does cover uh, several provinces across Canada. What are the implications of payroll tax uh, and how does it work for a company? if they're Are they... Regulated based on the province that they're registered in.
2: So payroll tax is an interesting one. For Manitoba, there's specific limits where if you go above that, it's going to go to 1.5 million wages. Then you have to start paying the health and education tax and the, or called payroll tax. So that's really for when you kind of start getting into the bigger um, corporations. Some of the trucking clients that I work on because they're driving all over the place, their wages don't count fully to that $1.5 million limit. So it's always good to, if you're reaching that kind of salary level, talk to your accounting professional because they'll know the different rules for the different provinces and how things get allocated out.
1: Well, it might even be good for business owners starting out to understand the different regulations in every province, To help them decide where they're best to be set up in the first place.
2: Right. Yeah. So that's a big consideration. And as well, you know, some or some provinces have PST or some have the HST. So just kind of understanding that difference between each of the provinces and how that affects the business overall.
1: And. Can you shed any light on how a business determines whether they should be provincially regulated versus federally?
2: Probably a little bit more of a legal type question. From an accounting perspective, you get taxed on Canada-wide revenue, at least for year-end. If you're in certain provinces, there's different tax rates for them specifically. Once you get above the small business dollar limit, um, Manitoba, that's 500 thousand in other provinces it's a little bit different so there's always that weird considerations where you have to you know if i'm going to be having sales all over the place i got to make sure that my i know what's being sold in alberta versus manitoba versus ontario because then it's all differently taxed
0: have you ever thought i'd love to have a podcast just like this one well i can help my name is matt kundle and everyone at my company the sound off podcast network had a hand in making this show Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.
1: I'm just going backwards a little bit now, but you you have been involved in Futurepreneur uh, program as an example. Can you share any stories about aspiring entrepreneurs that have have started out. And and I don't know if there's any way to kind of segue it into the financial and accounting side of things. Uh, Maybe you work with some of them on being set up appropriately to be able to give themselves more time to focus on their business.
2: Yeah, a great example. One of my clients that I got from Futurepreneurs, which is a great program to help out anyone who's starting out with, Funding and they do some mentorship stuff. So really a great key and tool for different companies to use. Um, so when I sat down with this individual to start, we kind of went over, he had a great idea. He was kind of working along with at it. Um, but then it kind of came to year end time and when he had to file his taxes and we really started to see some of the struggles that he was having. Um, so some of the big things that, and tips that I share to them was, you know, make sure you stay organized, know what dead, your deadlines are for remitting GST, your year end, any other payments that come out through, up throughout the year, make sure you keep your receipts. You don't want to miss any information because that could have a big effect on your business in general. Make sure you're staying up to date, entering all this information into whatever software or Excel sheet that you're using. I recommend always trying to do that weekly, at every Thursday. Pick your day that you spend an hour just entering all your information, all your sales, any your invoices. Once you start falling behind, it gets super hard to catch up. So he, at one point, was three months behind, and it took him not much longer to get caught up, which led to some decisions being made that, you know, were good ones. But maybe if he was more up to date. He could have made better decisions or had a better use of the funds that he ended up spending on advertising or whatever it may be.
1: I want you to keep going, but what I just heard you say is it kind of a a funny way of putting it, but you know, having an accountant as your accountability partner um, and having that rhythm and always focusing on the end game and making sure we have everyone aligned. We have to do the same in our accounting. So to have our outside partner helping us by giving those tools and rhythm is a big one
2: it's a great point because if you know you have to send monthly statements to somebody then you're going to be more motivated to you know at least i gotta do it by this date so having that accountability team that you need to send that information to allows you to stay up to date and it allows that better decision making overall when you have a good group of people that you're listening to
1: but i also think having it in a calendar like anything else you know when you're organized like that you wake up in the morning knowing that it's done often it's the finance side of thing it it just hangs over you because you're just so busy you're putting out fires you're working on on the exciting things and moving the business forward but if you don't have your your back end covered you're going to get kicked and yep. so having, having those, that rule of thumb with that regular check-in, making sure you have it in your calendar, keeping it up to date, get those check marks as you go, makes life much better.
2: Yes, definitely. Having that assigned day and time to do something always keeps you a little bit more on track to make sure it's going to happen. And then you have this outside voice too that's telling you, okay, I need to see this. Where is it at? It's always nice to have that extra tool available.
1: What about technology? Has it played a role for you? And uh, I know that there are so many tools out there and available. One that, that I love is having sort of a, a vault where rather than me just giving everything to my accountant at year end, being able to put my documentation into a secure vault so it's there as I go. Is that something that's becoming more and more prevalent?
2: I think so, especially with the QuickBooks online and some of the other online resources. For lots of it you can put stuff into there. You can put take the picture of your the invoice that you're paying. You can do your own invoicing out of there so you can see, you know what the invoice was. You can add bank statements that everyone can see. I know we have our own portal here where clients can just drop information and we can see it. So there's definitely a lot more of that online resource sharing I mean there's so many good Dropbox or Google share there's so many out there where it allows everyone to just be more connected.
1: So technology has been a really good thing I, I think for for all of us and simplifying our lives it's just taking the time to figure out our own system and structure and, and what's going to work best but, and then also what works best for whoever our, our partner is.
2: Yes yeah there's always so many decisions where you got to figure out you know, okay, this is my team. What's the best way to share information with everybody? Because if one thing might work for you, that doesn't work for someone else. So really finding that balance between everyone so we can all stay on the same page.
1: Do you give any advice to your clients just on the importance of sort of basic things? But often we may not understand how important it is to have a good solid credit rating. Do you have sort of rules of thumb that you provide your clients on, paying your bills and making sure that you're you're paying off your credit cards every month. What about those types of proactive things?
2: Yeah, I mean it's always nice to be able to do that and kind of some of it comes down to the time value of money, right? Some vendors that you buy products from might give you a 1% discount if you pay within 10 days. Otherwise, it has to be paid in 30 days. Is it worth paying it off in that time span or worth waiting till the last day, but definitely keeping up on your payments and whether it be credit card or to specific vendors, because that's going to just allow a better relationship with either the bank in the credit card case, because then they'll be more willing to give you a line of credit or offer you a loan or whatever additional financing you need. If you're showing the bank, hey, look, I'm not late. I'm paying it off. I have funds to do this, but I need a little bit more for making big purchases or whatever it might be. That's always a good relationship to have. But also, your vendors, if you're always late payer and not, or short paying or whatever the situation is, maybe they don't supply you your product anymore until you got to find someone else, or they're not going to give you everything you want. Maybe you only have a $500 limit instead of a $1,000 limit, and that could have. Big effects on your business.
1: I know that you know COVID, and, and hopefully we're beyond it. But during COVID, there were a lot of a lot of unknowns for many businesses, and I've heard a lot of stories about by being proactive and having open discussions and being transparent and saying, "Here's my situation. Here's what I." Would like to be able to do and and making sure that you're including your vendors in discussions about what's happening really ends up helping you in the long run uh, rather than a surprise where you know if you if you just stay in the in the shadows and think, well, oh, they may not notice that I'm you know moving from my usual paying within thirty days to now I'm at forty five and sixty and uh, have you seen that in your own experience as well?
2: Yeah, for sure. And I the big thing to keep in mind is yeah, you're trying to run your business, but your vendor that you're buying from, they're also running a business, right? So if you're clear with your situation, then maybe they can figure out a different solution that works for both of you. Maybe instead of, you know, waiting to pay the whole invoice so it goes from that 30 to 45 days, maybe you come to agreement where you pay a little bit at 15, a little bit at 30, a little bit at 45 just to keep. Everyone kind of going. And so the worst thing to do is if you're struggling, there's probably another business in your situation, kind of work with each other to keep each other going, right? Not just figuring out, okay, I'm just going to stay in the dark, not tell anyone my situation. And then everything seems to hit at once.
1: Absolutely. And the same thing goes with relationships with banks. You know, by being again proactive and not waiting until you have a problem to contact them and ask them to help, because often you know they're you're only one of many, many clients, and there's often some assumptions made. Um, businesses are more than numbers on paper. You know, we're human. There's there's peaks and valleys. There's a lot that goes on in our day to day business. So as business owners, really taking ownership of that relationship and being proactive in contacting them, here's our story, here's where we're at, you know, we're doing well here, this is a hit, this is a miss, here's our pivots along the way, has really, uh, in, in my own personal experience, gone a long way. Uh, you would, would you agree with that? Yeah,
2: no, I totally agree. Uh, one of the best things I think some businesses can do, especially in the startup phase, is do a budget, forecast what you think you're it's gonna happen over the next little bit. If you can, you know, some of it is good because it's goal setting for your business that you know gives you something to strive for, but also it could allow you to see, oh, okay, in this month, I think we're gonna have a little bit of a cash flow crunch here. Get out of that, ask your bank, hey, in three months, I think I'm gonna need a bump in my line of credit or whatever the situation is, they're probably more willing to work with you if they have that information available to them. They have something and they can be like, okay, here you're going to need more, but here you kind of have a surplus. So we we can at least collect some of our funds, you know, three months after we extend this additional loan or line of credit to you.
1: What is the timeframe that you recommend that businesses have as far as a budget?
2: So I would say do it annually, take each month as best as you can. Uh, I did an article on Modern Money, which is a kind of Winnipeg website that kind of started up a little bit ago, where it kind of goes through how to prepare a budget, what kind of things you need to consider when you're doing that. Uh, so every year in the month of your, before your year end, if you sit down and track out the next 12 months, what's it going to look like? You know, do I know I have this big contract coming? Do I know I want to try and increase my sales by so much? So how am I going to do that? Really having it there, anything after 12 months kind of gets to a little bit of an unknown, but you can do it for three or five years just to see where your growth could be. might be harder at the beginning when you don't really know what's going to happen after 12 months, but at least you have something to keep you on track and, a goal to shoot for.
1: That's really good advice. And what emphasis, when you're working with your clients, do you put on cash flow versus just revenue and expenses?
2: Really cash is king. I think it's a saying most of us have heard. If you aren't don't have cash in the bank, it doesn't really allow you to do certain things. But at the same time, you have to know what your revenue is. If it's a problem or you can just sell more and get out of, or if it's, I'm selling more, but I'm also spending more. So not really helping me out. What's going on. If that cash is kind of leaving the bank account and not coming back in, what's the solution for that? How do we look at either your gross margin? Do we have to look at ways to cut costs or are we able to just increase our sales through whatever means in order to, get a higher margin so we can, you know, repay and have more cash so we can do different things.
1: Well, and I love that when you're talking, you're, when you're speaking with your clients, you're saying we. So you make yourself, you know, you're like a partner at the table, which I think for especially young entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs, that that's so important because we may have expertise in the area that we're in business for, but not in the area that you are an expert in. So having you as a partner would be a great thing.
2: Yeah, definitely. something I love doing is getting involved with my clients, like being able to, you know, I always say, do end up saying we, because I feel like I'm a part of a lot of these businesses. When you go in and meet all the people and see the shop and see how they're producing things that you really get that fire in your belly for what they're doing.
1: You know, that is so refreshing uh, because how often and now it's harder because you can't necessarily be in a business, but it was never sort of the front and center of of having your accounting partners come and see your business so what a what a great thing to do I mean you have to understand the operations of the business to understand what you're looking at on on paper
2: yes, definitely it always helps. <laughs>
1: So Paul, is there anything that we haven't covered off any stories that you would like to share with us or anecdotes that might be helpful to our audience before we sign off?
2: I think the biggest thing is when you're starting a business, there's so many different things that you need to take care of from selling the product, making the product, doing the advertising, doing the books. There's countless hats that you got to wear. One of <laughs> My biggest things that I kind of recommend to people is look at getting a bookkeeper to take some of that off if you have someone where you can just give your box of receipts to and sales invoices for the week or month and then they can take care of that you know get that rid of that hat so it allows you to work on the business and not in the business
1: That's great, and you know a bookkeeper can help you set up the systems that work for you we're we're all very different and Uh, So that's really great advice because if we can get that off of our mind, that gives us that freedom to focus on the business and getting out there and changing the world.
2: Yes, exactly. It's always better when you can take one less thing off your plate and be able to go and do something different. So, it's awesome.
1: Well, Paul, this has been really wonderful. We sincerely appreciate the time and effort that you've put in here, but also... On behalf of your clients, you sound like a great partner to have at the table and we appreciate having good accountants that can help us grow our
0: businesses. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Please note that the conversation in this podcast is for informational and learning purposes and does not constitute legal, financial, or business advice. The Ask of Expert podcast is a production of Vexit and distributed globally by the Sound Off Media Company.